Good morning, church. Good morning. So I really want to thank Pastor Michael and the church to give me this opportunity and this privilege to stand before all of you here to share the word of God with all of you today. So for the past two weeks, our church has been sharing on series of Daring Faith. And once again, I would like to remind you that it is a seven-week series. And the aim for this is so that we can grow in faith, we can give in faith, and we can go in faith. So for the first week, we learn about that what happens when you have faith. And through the message, it challenges us to take the first step of faith, the leap of faith, to see things with, uh, to see things with the eyes of faith and not with the eyes of fear. To see things from God's point of view. And for the second week, which is last week, we learned that as we give, it will be multiplied. And advancing our spiritual maturity, we can advance our spiritual maturity by stretching our faith. And as we stretch our faith, we can stretch our faith by giving to God. And by understanding this, it sets the foundation of today's message. And the title is, Daring to Give God my best. So this title, Daring to Give God My Best, it challenges us to another level. It's cha it challenges us to not just give, but to give the best. The best, to give the best of my giving. And in transition, so how do we, how can we, by not just giving, giving our best to God, how can we just give our best. You know, I can just um, say, oh, I think this is the best that I can give. Us. So I just give to God. That's it. So how do you measure the best? How do you give your best to God? So in 2 Timothy, it shows us three analogies of what it means to give the best to God. Can I have the Bible verse? Okay. Let us re read this Bible verse together. One, two, three. And your hashi with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets tied up in civilians' affairs. He wants us to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the Richter's crown unless he competes according to the rules. And hardworking farmer should be the first man to set of crops. Think about these illustrations. And the Lord will help you to understand how they apply to Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you Lord for this time we have together that we can come here and listen to your word and to understand about daring faith. And Father, we want to uphold today's message onto your hand and may you help us to understand these three illustration and help us to understand how can it apply to our lives and also anoint my lips so far that I will bring forth your message, your word of encouragement and comfort to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So from this passage, you can see that there are three analogies in this uh, Bible verse. First is a soldier and the second one is an athlete. The third is a farmer. So the Bible started off by saying, look at the military, look at the soldier. And not just any soldier, not just hand-picking, oh, this soldier, this soldier. But God is saying, look at this good soldier, an effective soldier, a best, a best soldier, effective soldier from the army, from the military. So what can we learn from effective soldiers today about giving God our very best? What can we learn from effective soldiers that we can apply to our spiritual life, our walk in faith? So there are three things. If I want to give God my best, I must do that every soldier understands. And the first thing is, I must define what I would die for. I must define what I would die for. This is coming quite strong from... Starting off with this point, wow, suddenly I want to have to die for, what do I have to die for? <laughs> but this is something that is very important that we, have to, that we all have to understand about. 
Because when you think about it, when you put some thought to it, there are actually things in life that is so precious, so dear to you that you are willing to protect it, to guard it with your life for the safety, to keep these things safe. For example, your family, your children, or for those who are so passionate about the gospel, they are willing to die for the gospel. So there are actually things in life that you are willing to lay, you, you put your life on the line to keep those things safe. But if you never, never thought about it, I would like you to really ponder about it. So there's a saying from Pastor Rick Warren, and that goes, he say, you're not ready to live until you know what you would die for. I repeat again. You're not ready to live until you know what you would die for. And you're not ready to love until you know who you would die for. If you never clarify what is worth dying for, you are not fully alive. So for soldiers, they know there are some things they are worth dying for that they are willing to die for. Number one is the freedom of the country. The freedom is worth dying for. And secondly, they believe that family is worth dying for. And thirdly, they believe that faith is worth dying for. Why are they willing to die for all of this, this three, freedom, faith, and family? It's because they see these things are more valuable than their own life even in their own life. And they understand that. They realize that certain these things is a matter of death and life, life or death. And they put their life on the line practically every single day. Soldiers put their life on the line and practically every single day. Even the moment when they become part of the army, they have this mindset. They know that once I join this army, I know that I'm prepared to die. I'm prepared to sacrifice for whatever, for whatever the cost is. I'm willing to sacrifice for my loved ones. I'm willing to sacrifice for my family. I'm willing to sacrifice for my freedom. And even Jesus talks about this, about sacrificing. And Jesus said that how love is being best expressed, how love is best expressed, is the willingness to die for someone else. It's a willingness to sacrifice. In John chapter 15, it says that the greatest love, which is the highest form of love, is shown when a person lays down his life for his friend. Sacrificial love. Jesus is saying that the greatest measure of love is sacrificial love. It's the willingness to sacrifice your life for someone else. It's the willingness to sacrifice for your loved ones. And Jesus did the same thing for us as well by dying on the cross for us. His sacrificial love, His greatest love is shown when He died on the cross for us. So today it shows that you measure love not by what people tell you, not by what your boyfriend and your girlfriend tell you, you know, for for example, for example, this is just an example. Like Pastor Michael will tell Michelle that, Oh, Michelle, I love you so much. I, the tomorrow, of, uh, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. I love you the day before. I love you forever and ever. Pastor Michael can continue to say this day by day, every day and every day. But one day when Michelle asked Pastor Michael, Pastor Michael, can you take care of the kids for a while? Or can you have to wash the dishes? Did he do the laundry? <laughs> so can, can Pastor Michael, can you help me to do this? Can you help me do that? But then when Pastor, but Pastor Michael said, I'm uh, very busy. Uh. Very, very busy. Uh. But don't know why I'm busy, but I'm just very, very busy. Uh. Example. Uh. <laughs> I'm very, very busy. Uh. So sacrifice. You can, you, can use, uh, you can use your mouth to say, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, but you didn't, when you didn't act it out, you couldn't see the measure of love. You couldn't see how love is being shown out. So God says that you measure love by the willingness to sacrifice. And to be honest, I believe that Pastor Mike really 
sacrificed a lot for the family. Yeah. So, so whatever I say just now is just an example. It's not the real thing. Yeah. Thank you, God, that we have a, such a great pastor with us. Amen. <laughs> oh, he's not here. <laughs> okay. Um, so you measure love by the willingness to sacrifice. And the greater the sacrifice is, the deeper the love is. As we define what we are willing to die for, we do it in the aspect of sacrificial love. Like Jesus, he sacrificed on the cross for us because he loved us. Like Paul, he sacrificed for the gospel because he loved God, because he loved God's people. And like the soldiers, they sacrificed themselves for the love of the country. So, what is worth dying for? For you today, what is worth dying for? You see, unless you are willing to die for something, you're willing to sacrifice everything, then you are willing to pay the price, to give your best for this sacrifice. You will be willing and daring to give your best for the things that you are willing to die for, to sacrifice for. And the second thing that we can learn from effective soldiers to learn how we can give God our best is the second thing is I must sacrifice my comfort. I must sacrifice my comfort. Of course, soldiers do this all the time. You see, as a soldier, they have to give up a lot of things in order to serve others. They have to give up a comfortable lifestyle. They have to give up a lifestyle that they can just sit in the sofa and just chill all day. They have to give up this lifestyle and went into the heat, went into the cold to fight and to serve the country. And they also give up their free schedule. You know, as soldiers, they are not free to do anything because once you get a call that you are asked to go back for service, you have to go straight away because that is your duty, that is your responsibility as a soldier. And when the commanding officer say, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, they always have to say, sir, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir, without any rejection. So you can see that soldiers, they gave up their freedom in order to preserve the freedoms of other people. Not only that, soldiers, they also gave up their wealth. Being in the army is not an investment. Being in the army will not make you rich. Because when you're in the army, all you do is just giving, pouring out, giving, and giving for the country, sacrificing for the country. So soldiers, they sacrifice their own comfort for the hardship that they choose to put up with. And this is true in every day of our life. Because a pastor of a mega church once says this, you don't become great without sacrificing. You don't become great by just five easy steps. You don't become a great person by doing what is easy, by doing what is comfortable. You become great by committing yourself to do something that is greater than yourself. And then you are willing to sacrifice for it. The greater your sacrifice in life, the greater your character in life is. I repeat again. The greater your sacrifice in life, the greater your character in life is. And to be honest, I tend to do things the very comfortable way. Like when I just entered BCM, I was the youngest among the students. And because you are a freshman there, so they tend to they elected me into the student council because they say, Oh, you're the fresh person, so you need to try new things, you need to have some breakthrough in your life. So they elected me into the student council. And being one of the youngest students there in BCM, it was a great challenging for me. I couldn't uh, for me, I do not feel that I fit the role to be part of the student council because I feel that the other seniors, they are more mature than me. They have more potential than me. So I was very afraid that I would screw things up. And especially when it comes to BCM Day. So being part of the student council, you have to plan and organize BCM Day. It's an open day that we have a food fairs, uh, fun fairs, games around there. And I was head of the publicity team. So being afraid 
I just uh, asked my seniors, oh, what can I do to help with the publicity? What should I do as a head of the publicity? Then they give me some past years of reference and documents. But because I was so afraid, so, and I was being quite smart, so I say, maybe I'll just copy exactly what they did the previous year. Uh, sure, no problem one. Confirm, no problem one. So I decided to co just copy exactly what they did the previous year. And it is quite comfortable actually because uh, the Facebook page is there, uh, all the contacts were there, and invitation letters were there. I just need to copy and paste and send it out and that's it. And in the end, the event did turn out quite smooth. It did turn out quite smooth. But then when it comes to the end of the event, I realized there is no breakthrough. I didn't learn anything from my role, my duty, even though being the head of the publicity team. I realized that there's no breakthrough in my life by copying what other people is doing. And the things that happened, the problems and the errors that happened previously, the previous year, happened again this year because I copied exactly, because I stick to my comfort zone, I copied exactly what they did last year. There's no breakthrough, there's no imp implementations of new things, there's no corrections to the errors. And I clearly remember that the theme of our church that year is the year of renewal and I realized that my life wasn't being renewed my life was just being stagnant and in order for me to be renewed I need to step out of my comfort zone yes once you step out it's gonna be uncomfortable you'll definitely make mistakes but just like what we learned last week if there is no stretching then there is no growing you need to be stretched in order for you to grow. You need to make mistakes in order for you to grow. That's why you need to be stretched in order for you to grow. You need to sacrifice your comfort in order for you to grow in faith. So you become great by committing yourself to do something greater than yourself and then being willing to sacrifice for it. Because the greater your sacrifice in life, the greater your character in life is. And the Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, and says, Endure hardship with earth like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Apostle Paul used this metaphor, this analogy of the military, and he says, just like the soldiers, just like the military, put up hardships for the greater cause. You too need to put up hardships for the greater cause. So, my question to you is, what is the hardships of your life? What are the hardships of your life? What is following Christ making it difficult for you today? Maybe you're being challenged by your biblical knowledge, or you, be, or you could be criticized for some people, or people laugh at you because you're different from them, you're a Christian. And it is so difficult to do what is right than to do what is wrong. To do what is right is never easy. Because if doing what is right is easy, everybody would do it, right? If doing what is right is easy, everybody would do it. And we don't have all these problems, all these hardships in this world. But the truth is, the hardcore truth is, it is so much easy to do what is wrong. It's always easier to do what is wrong than to do what is right. It is because it's so hard to tell the truth. And it's so much easier to just make up a lie. It's so much harder to tell the truth. And it's so much harder to forgive than getting even with the other person. And it's so much harder to let go than getting revenge. And it's so much harder to be kind. And it's so much harder to be unselfish than selfish. But these are the hardships we will face when we are following Christ. It is not easy, but it is a path to greatness. It is the path to being the best you could possibly be from Christ, for Christ, for God. And to be the best for God, to give your best for God, you need to define 
what you are willing to die for. And you need to sacrifice your comfort. Because when you are willing to sacrifice, you are willing to pull out with all the hardships, then there's nothing else for you to lose. You can give your best. Because you have sacrificed so much, you are willing to give your best for God. We are always in a spiritual battle, constantly in a spiritual battle. And this battle is a battle between doing what is good, what is right, and what is bad. And it is not easy. This spiritual battle is not easy. But as I mentioned earlier, nothing is ever done great without sacrificing. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. It says, live a life of sacrificial love, just like Christ loved us and gave himself as an offering and sacrifice for us. So here he's saying that if you want to be like Jesus, you want to be like Christ, if that's your goal, you need to learn sacrificial love. Just like Jesus offering up himself on the cross for us. And he offered himself as an offering for other people. So, do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be Christ-like? If that is your goal, you need to start to learn sacrificial love. And my question to you today is, who are you offering your life for right now? Who are you offering your life for? Who are you sacrificing your life for? Who are you putting up with the hardships besides yourself? A lot of people put up with hardships in order to get ahead of what they are facing. A lot of people put up with hardships in order for them to succeed, to get to their goals. And no matter how your boss scold you, you can tahan, tahan, tahan. If how people criticize you, you just hold on, hold on, hold on. Tahan, tahan, tahan. Are you involved in anything that you are tahan, tahan, tahan? for the benefit of other people. Sometimes you lose sleep because you want to benefit other people, because you're helping other people. Sometimes you're spending some of your money because you're helping other people. Sometimes you lose your privacy because you're helping somebody else. And you tahan, 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 sacrifice, sacrifice. It's okay, I tahan, tahan, tahan. These are the hardships Loosely spend time, uh, spend your money, lose your privacy for other people, helping other people, sacrificing for other people. These are the hardships that you can tahan for other people. So, you want to be like Jesus? You got to tahan your hardship. Amen? Tahan. So, we have to live a life of sacrificial love, a, a life of sacrifice, just like the soldiers. So today, are you just a casual Christian or a committed Christian? A Christian that is tahanin? Are you willing to sacrifice your own comfort for the greater good of other people? That is what it means to be like Jesus. And the third thing we learn from a soldier is that I must eliminate distractions i must eliminate distractions if i want to give the best to god i want to be if i want to give god my best i got to eliminate distractions the next verse in this passage says this as christ soldier do not let yourself become entangled in the affairs of this life wasting time for then you can't please your commanding officer who enlisted you in his army if there is one thing a soldier must have, he must have the freedom to respond. The flexibility when his commanding officer says, go, let's go. No soldier will come to the officer and say, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, officer, uh, I'm so busy right now. I'm very, very busy. Uh, my, uh, my, this TV uh, series, uh, today, is the ending series. Uh, I need to stay at home and watch it. It's very important. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, boss. Uh, today, uh, it's my Netflix and chill time. It's my off day. So, I don't want to obey you. I let, just let me stay at home and relax myself. Oh, sorry, commanding officer. I cannot serve right now. I need to go shopping. Today, got this Taikamka, you know. Got this big sale going on. 90%, not 100%. 90% sale off. Oh, boss. Uh, pastor, I cannot serve today. 
soldiers, no soldiers will come to the commanding officer and say those things. Because a soldier knows what is important. What is their priority? A soldier knows that they, can't, uh, they are unable to be involved in the fullest of the affairs of the civilian's life. Because they always have to be ready at a moment notice. They have to do whatever their commanding officer command them to do. So they have to eliminate distraction, unnecessary things. And they have to do things that really matters. So the Bible has a lot to say about doing things that really doesn't matter. So how much of your time is invested in things that aren't going to matter? How much of your time is invested in things that aren't aren't going to matter five years from today, two years from today, or much less in eternity? How much of your energy is invested in things that are going to matter five years from today, much less for eternity? How much of your money are you invested in things that aren't going to last for eternity? If you want to give God your very best, you must start spending more of your time in things that are going to last forever. You've got to start spending more of your money, your energy, your time on things that are going to last forever, that are going to last in the kingdom of God, that is going to last for eternity. For example, do you really need to spend most of your time in phone games, computer games that you may not be playing a few months later? Do you really need to spend most of your time watching TV dramas or Korean series that is one day going to come to an end? Do you really need to spend most of your time hunting for good food that is going to flush down the toilet later? So this is true. What are the things that really doesn't matter? And what are the things that really does matter? So ask yourself today, what can you give up in order for you to give your best to God? And this is a challenge for us to think about it this week. What could you give up? Maybe an hour of Netflix, maybe an hour of YouTube. What can you give up in order to make time for you to do more things that really matters, that is really going to last long in this life? To love, to serve, to know God, and to worship God. The effective soldiers, because of their love for their country, their sacrificial love, they are willing to die for their country. They are willing to sacrifice their comfort for the country. They are willing to eliminate distractions for the country, which is why they are able, they are daring to give their best for their country. So my question to you today is, are you like a soldier of Christ? Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort to die for Christ, to eliminate distractions just so that you can give your best to God, that you are able and daringly able to give your best to God? Are you willing to do all these sacrifices so that you can give your best to God? And next, Paul moves to the second example, the second metaphor of today, which is the athlete. There are some lessons that we can learn from sports. And this athlete is not just a normal athlete that's just running around, but this athlete is a serious athlete, a competitive athlete, an athlete that runs to win. And the Bible compares our life to a race. We are all running in the race of life. And it's not a 50-yard dash, but it's a marathon that we are running in. Every one of you here that's sitting in this hall, you are running a marathon, a race of life. And here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Let us read together. In a race, everyone runs. Do it for an eternal reward that will last forever. 
So one straight to the goal, with purpose in every step, I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I need to defend myself. There's no sacrifices and training my body to do what I should, what I want to do. Amen. So just like the soldiers have three things to teach us, the athlete has three things to teach us about giving our best to God. And the first thing that we can learn from an athlete is, I must intend to win. I must intend to win. If I'm going to win the prize, if I want to win this race, I got to be intentional. I got to be intentional that I want to win this race. Because this is not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen without effort. It's not going to happen unless I have a goal. You will not become great by accident. You will not become great just casually. You won't casually become a great person. Abraham Lincoln doesn't become a great person casually. Hudson Taylor doesn't accidentally become a great missionary. He woke up in the morning like, I become a missionary. It's not like that. You don't become great just casually or accidentally. It will only happen if you intend to be the best you can be. It only happens if you intend to be the best you can be. If you intend to have a great soul, intend to have a goal, then you will win the prize. This is the difference in between a casual Christian and a committed Christian. So what is this casual Christian and committed Christian? What is the difference between them? So for example, like a competitive badminton player and a casual badminton player, is there a difference between them? There's definitely a difference between them. Because a competitive badminton player, they fight to win, they train to win, and they take it seriously when they're playing in their mindset that, I want to win one day. There's a prize that I'm aiming for. That I want to win. That I want to get it. And they will get very stressed out if they didn't get the prize, if they didn't win. And a casual player, a casual badminton player, is just taking the bat, badminton bat, just swinging around a racket, so taking the badminton racket, swinging around, playing around, or chat with your friends, or look at the flowers, or having some fun messing around with your tricks. Or burn some calories, that's important also, right? So these are the difference between the casual player and the competitive badminton player. The difference between these two players is the degree of seriousness. It's the level of seriousness. How serious are you when you're holding the badminton racket? What is in your mind when you're holding the badminton racket? So how serious are you? about being what God made you to be. How serious are you? When, when you are running this race of life, how serious are you in wanting to give the best to God? How serious are you in this area? How serious are you wanting to be the best you can be for God? The Bible says here in verse 24, it says, In a race, everyone runs, but only one person wins the prize. So run your race to win. Oh, tongue twist. So run your race to win. In this life of race, you should be living your life in the way that you are running to win. And God wants you to win. God doesn't want you to be a loser. God doesn't want you to sidetrack. God wants you to be a winner. He wants you to win the race. Run to win. And the problem with a lot of people today is you're not serious enough. That you're not serious enough. You're not willing to pay the price. You don't want the price. You just want to be a casual runner, just running around, smelling the roses. You don't want it badly enough. You don't want it deeply enough. So how deeply do you want to win the prize God has placed in your life? And the truth is, because you never intended to want to win the prize, you never intended it in your mind, so you're never going to be the person that God intended you to be. That's very sad. 
So you need to run with the intention to win the race. You need to run in the, with the intention to win the prize. So what is the prize? So what is the prize? You may say, it's greater reward and responsibility in eternity. In First Timothy, it says that run your best in the race of faith and win eternal life for yourself. For this is the life that God has called you when you profess your faith before many witnesses. And that is what you'll get. Win eternal life. That is what you win, eternal life. That is your great reward that you will get when you finish the race of life. So, but what does it mean when you profess your faith before many witnesses? It is talking about your baptism. When you accept the Christ and you go for baptism, baptism is an act of professing your faith before many people. It's an act of professing your faith before many witnesses. Which is why if you haven't been baptized before, I will highly encourage you to baptize because baptism, water baptism is a way for you to profess your faith in front of so many witnesses. And then he says here, you need to run your best race. Run your best in the race of faith. You need to do it intentionally and win the race. It is time to come back to God and say that, Oh God, I really goofed up in the past of my life and I spent a lot of my time doing things that are unnecessary. And God, I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life. I want to make it count. I want to make up for lost time. I want to be serious about this. I'm not going to be just a casual Christian. I'm going to be a committed Christian for you. I want to give God my best. But in order for me to give God my best, I need to do it intentionally with the mindset that I want to do this intentionally. I want to give God my best. And I have to make the choice to go after it. Make the first step to say, I want to go after it. I want to win this prize. And secondly, to give God my best, I must discipline myself. Discipline myself. And this is what athletes do basically every day. And this is part of their character that they need to have in their lifestyle. Because um, no athlete becomes a pro athlete without discipline, without training. You don't become great by doing what you feel. Or today I feel like, mm, maybe I just want to sit on the couch. You don't become great by just living by your moods. Or today, uh, maybe I do this a bit of training, five minutes, that training, ten minutes. You don't become great by just doing whatever you feel. You can't just make up your own rules. You can't just be your own referee. You can't, there are no shortcuts to maturity. And there are no shortcuts to greatness. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, If anyone competes as an athlete, he cannot receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So you cannot make up your own rules. You can only compete according to the rules. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 and verse 27, let us read together. To win the contest, you must deny yourself many things that will keep you from doing your best. And Natalie goes into strict training just to win a ribbon or medal that won't last. But we do it for an eternity reward that will last forever. So I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. I remember watching documentaries of Olympians uh, athletes that the documentary shows what they gave up in order to win the gold medal, to win the medal. And a lot of them, they pretty, they pretty much put their life on hold. They have a rigid schedule they have to follow, what time they have to get out and what time they have to go back to bed. And they, because of this rigid schedule, they have to put their social life on hold as well. They even have a rigid diet, the diet plan they have to follow in order for them to keep fit and in order for them to have a good physical body to compete in the competition. So whatever they do, whatever they eat, it has to be according to schedule. It has to be according to a plan. And some of them started off at a very, very young age, like five years old, six years old, 
There are some even nine years old. This is something that is happening in China right now. They actually have uh, Olympians. They have athletic schools to train children for like five years old, six years old to start in um, learning, start to train their physical bodies so that they can compete in competitions. So as they experience all this in life, they basically put their normal life on hold. They didn't get to experience life like a normal kid. They didn't get to experience life like a normal person. They make enormous sacrifice to win the prize. But sadly, according to the Bible, no one is going to remember all these rewards because all these rewards are only on earth. It's only going to be temporary. But they give their whole life for it and they, are, they give their whole life for something that is going to vanish. But for us, need to be wise it is a wise move for us to invest our time in things that are going to last for eternity in things that are going to last forever in things that is going to make your life count so let us ourselves this question what are the things that i can do without what are the things that i can do without so that i can spend more time with god i can give more to God. I can serve more to God. I can be more of what God wants me to be. So that I can give God my best and give it to the fullest. What are the things that I can sacrifice so that I can give God my best and give it to the fullest? And again, I ask you this question. What am I willing to do without in order to be the best? Am I willing to do without popularity? Am I willing to do without wealth? And I'm willing to do without comfort? What are the things that you're willing to do without so that you can give your best to God? A poster says this, The pain of regret is always greater than the pain of discipline. That's a pretty profound statement. The pain of regret is always greater than the pain of discipline. So how would your life be better if you just be a little more disciplined in your life? How would your life be better if you just be a little more disciplined? What are the things that you could be enjoying now? What are the things that you, when you invest all your time in it, what are the things that you enjoy now? What are the fruits that you are tasting now? The pain of regret goes on and on. The what if is always haunt our heart, saying that, oh, what if I do this? What if I was like this? What if I make some changes in my life? Will I be different today? I wanted to learn that language, but I didn't get to learn it. I wanted to learn some new skills, learn maybe a piano, but I didn't get to learn it. We always have this what if, this regret that haunts our life. But what you will wish so what do you wish that you would be more disciplined about? I would say start now. Start now. If you have not been disciplined, start now. So how do I be more disciplined? If I want to start now, then how could I be more disciplined? So maybe I try for a while, then I give up. Or maybe I just try a bit, lah, try a bit, lah, but then halfway I give up. Why do people give up halfway? It's because you are depending on your own strength rather than depending on God. You're depending on your own willpower. But the truth is, willpower doesn't work. Maybe it will work for quite some time, but it won't last long. That's why you will have, when it comes to a new year, you will have New Year's resolutions, you have a list of what you want to do, what you want to finish, what you want to fulfill throughout the year. But a lot of times, when you depend on your own willpower, because of willpower, you may start to uh, f uh, finish up some of the lease, maybe half of the lease, most of the lease, but when it comes to nearly half the year, you suddenly stop. You suddenly doubt. Whether can I really, can I really do this? Can I really fulfill this New Year resolution? Can I really finish it up? This is something that's very true that's happening in our life. And when you... When you start to doubt yourself, you will start to slow down. But when you depend, when you move this willpower away and you depend on God, 
you draw strength from God and God's power that is everlasting, His power is able to help us in the long run. His power is able to help us to persevere on in this marathon, in this race of life. And His power helps us to be disciplined by focusing on the reward, by helping us to discipline. And the Bible says we do it for an eternal reward. By disciplining yourself, it looks to us to go. It disciplines you to, like with the intention to win, it disciplines you to look to us to go and to tell yourself that I must, I must be disciplined in order for me to win this, in order for me to gain this prize. And the third key that we can learn from athletes to be the best you can be for God, to give God your best, is I must stay focused on the reward. Stay focused on the reward. So what is the payoff when you're following Christ? What is the payoff when you're doing something right? What is the payoff when you're serving Jesus Christ? Is it just a reward? But this is a reward that is not temporary, but a reward that is everlasting, a reward that you'll gain in heaven. And this is what caused Jesus to be able to endure the cross. Well, how do you think that Jesus is able to put up with all the hardships when he's on the road to Calvary? How can he endure all the beating, all the punishment, all the weeping, all the torturing? How can he put up with all these hardships? All this suffering. And the Bible says it's because he looked beyond the pain. He looked beyond the pain and he looked towards the reward that he was going to receive. The benefit, the price, and the payoff that he will receive in heaven. And the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Means we're in a race, whether you realize it or not. This is a race of life. And study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That joyfully, joyful finish with God in heaven. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside with God. Hence, it is the same for us. You can actually handle enormous pain in your life. You can actually handle enormous discipline in your life if you realize, realize that there is a better purpose behind it, if you realize there is a payoff at the end of it. When you forget about the payoff, when you forget about the price, when you forget about the reward, then you're going to give up because there is no purpose for you in doing it. That is right. Paul says, run your race to win in this life. Run your race to win. Keep your eyes on the prize and know what God is doing. Know how God is going to strengthen you in running this race. So can you imagine yourself in heaven receiving the prize from God, the well done from God, the promotion, the reward that God is going to give you and let that be a motivation for you in your life. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. He says, I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing around or playing around. So there, there's a problem with a lot of people today is they are just shadow boxing. Or they are just playing around. They are just air guitaring their life. You know, air guitaring is you're holding the guitar, but you're not playing the string. So that's air guitaring. You're just air guitaring your life. It seems like you're running, but you're actually not putting effort in it. So they are just pretending they are not serious enough in this race. But Jesus said, when you run straight to the goal, Paul says, when you run straight to the goal, you need to focus on the finish line. You need to be serious about God's reward in your life. You have to be serious in giving your best to God. And I remember a, a story that was uh, shared by a friend of mine before. He shared this story about a boy and a girl. They come together and they say, you know what, let us compete in a race and let us see that who is going to win in this race. So when the boy and the girl, they uh, gather at the, at the starting point and then they started to get ready and they started to run. 
But while they are running, the boy kept looking at the girl. He ran around, they run. The boy was actually faster than the girl. But then when he was running, he kept looking back, keep looking backwards, looking at the girl. See how far she is, how close she is. And then he continued to run. But in the end, because he was spending so much time in worrying that somebody would keep up with him, in the end, he lost the race. And he was very discouraged. And the coach came to him and said, do you know why you lose the race? Because you're not focused enough. Your eyes is not staying focused on the finish line. You're, look, you're being distracted. You're looking at something else. So the boy said, I want to compete again. I want to try again. And he tried the second time. And the boy won the race because he was looking at the finish line. He's looking at the prize. He has the intention that he's going to win. So you need to stay focused on this fact that everything you see today is going to be gone. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't be spending a lot of your time, your money, your energy on things that aren't going to last forever. You should spend your time, your money, your energy on things that are going to last forever. So what is that? The love, the Word of God, and the love for people. These are things that are going to last forever. So when you run the race, you ignore the crowds. When you run the race, whether people cheer you on or where people jeer you, you don't think about it. Just focus on the finish line and continue to run the race and run the race to win. So how many things did I do this way or last week? Wasting energy on things that really don't matter. How many things they are worried about this way that really don't matter in the long term? I need to be more focused. I need to be more purpose-driven like a competitive athlete so that I can give God my best and with the best of my attitude. And finally, we go to the third metaphor, which is farming. Which is from, we can learn from the farmers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 13, let us read together. Remember this, a farmer who has only a few seeds just So this is, oh, in the, sorry, in the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good and he will produce a free harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously and you will be glorifying God through your generous gift. Generosity will prove you are obedient to the good news. So this is actually a very rich text, but just let me summarize it. So your life on earth is like planting a beautiful garden, planting a garden, and this is what they are saying here. And your life here on earth, maybe you have 60 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years if you're healthy, but while you are here on earth planting a garden, the kind of seeds that you plant, the amounts of seeds that you plant, you are going to harvest it in heaven. Whatever you sow on earth, you will reap in heaven. And you get to enjoy it for eternity. So when you plant generously, when you plant a lot of seeds, then you will get more fruits. You're, it's like an investment. You're getting more fruits in heaven. More seeds, more fruits. So if you plant sparingly, plant plant a bit, a bit, then you're not going to have much in heaven because you're investing so little. That's why what you gain in heaven is going to be that amount only, just a little bit. So if you sow generously, then you're going to reap generously in heaven. So when you give your best to God, you give God the best and the, your fullest to God, you're going to reap, you're going to taste the fruits 
in heaven. So five, time, five times in the Bible, Jesus gave the same command. And he says this, I tell you, store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Store up treasures for yourself in heaven. He said it five times in the Bible, which, right, which explains that it is something that is very important because Jesus keeps repeating it. Store up treasures for yourself in heaven. And he's saying that I highly recommend you to store up treasures for yourself in heaven. So, by, but how do I do that? How do I store up treasures for myself in heaven? Which is by planting seeds of generosity. Anytime you plant a seed of generosity, and not just about money, but it's about giving your life away, your time, your energy, your effort, in planting seeds of generosity, like when you're helping somebody else, or when you're being unselfish, when you're serving God, or when you're putting yourself out for the benefits of other people. That is planting seeds of generosity. So when you are generous with your talents, with your skills, you use it for the benefit of other people and not for yourself, you are actually planting seeds. When you're helping other people, you are planting seeds. When you're spreading a gospel, you are planting seeds. When you're serving other people, you're planting seeds. So, which is why Jesus said that I highly recommend you to sow generously as you are planting seeds because you want a lot of fruit in heaven. You want a lot of fruit there because you're going to be there for eternity. You need something for you to enjoy eternity, right? So you definitely need to start your investment here on earth so that you can taste the fruits, the harvest when you're in heaven. To reap a great harvest, I must plant generous, generously in faith. I must plant generously in faith. To give God my best, I must give by faith. I must daring to give by faith. I must daringly with faith to give God my best. And let me end with two conclusions. Uh, let me end with two promises of Jesus. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, let's read together. Give and it will be given back to you. You will be given much. It will be poured into your hands more than you can hold. You will be given so much that it will spill into your lap. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. As you give so much, as you plant so much, when God gives you back, it's a hundredfold. It's more than that. It's more than your hand can even hold. So isn't this a good business? Isn't this a great investment that we can go into? So this is the promise of God that He gave to us as we serve God, as we give God our best. This is like an investment. This is something that you will gain when you go up to heaven and when you hear Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in and enjoy with me. So brothers and sisters, you can choose to believe or you can choose to not believe. But if you don't believe, why do you believe that Jesus will save you? Why do you believe that after accepting Christ, you'll go to heaven? But that is the same Jesus that gives you this promise. Why do some people trust God with uh, trust Jesus as their eternal salvation, but they don't trust God with their finances. They don't trust God with their giving. That doesn't make sense. So when we look at these three people, the soldier, the farmer, and the athlete, the soldier gave his best to save the lives of other people. The athlete gave his best to win the prize. The farmer gave his best to sow, and he harvests a larger price. So it shows that, brothers and sisters, when you, when you are giving your best to God, it will not go to waste. 
Whatever you are giving to God, when you're giving your best to God, your labor will not be in vain. God sees all this in His eyes. It is going to be worth it because you are investing it. You are giving it to an everlasting God. And you're going to reap the harvest in eternity, an everlasting place. As we come to an end today, I would like all of us to stand up. And I would like to invite the worship team to lead us in this song, I Surrender All. It says that, Lord, I want to focus on the things that matter, matters most right now, that is going to last for eternity. I want to focus on you. I want to focus on giving my best to you because I know that it is going to be worth it. I know that my labor will not be in vain. So Lord, I surrender all to you. So I surrender all to you. So because I see that oh I'm the youngest person in my own core team but God how am I supposed to do this how can I give my best to God but God says just give your best to me just give your heart to me just offer up yourself to me 
as long as you give your give your best, as long as you give with the right attitude, I favor it. It is favor in my eyes. And just now, when we were worshiping just now, I was just to say that uphold your fears onto God's hands. Do not have fear. In the book of Isaiah, it says that do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. For I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So, brothers and sisters, no matter what you are facing today, whatever challenges or whatever fears that you are facing today, give it to God. Give it to the Comforter. Put your faith in Him. Give your whole life to Him. Say that God, I surrender all to You. I surrender my finances to You. I surrender my family to You. I surrender my career to You, because God, I want to give my best to You. And because I know when I give my best to You, it will not go in vain. It's going to be worth it. I'm going to enjoy the fruits in heaven. And I know that You are the faithful God. Who goes? Who is going to help me throughout this journey, in this life? And let's today let's come before God. Let's sing the chorus once again. Say, "I surrender all, God." Yes, Lord, I'm weak, Lord. I'm weak, but I surrender all to You. So I surrender.